And you may be seated. How many people are ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? I mean, before we get into God's Word, I was so pumped as your pastor to see these boys and girls from Wow Church standing alongside ushers handing out bulletins this morning and just seeing our children engaging and being part of serving in the main auditorium here. Can we just celebrate all of our boys and girls today? We honestly love them so, so, so much. Well, I want to give a shout-out welcome to our online church, people in our city, our province, our nation, around the world that join in every Sunday and are part of our celebration service. And we're in an eight-part sermon series. I want you to pull out your sermon notes. They are on the back of your bulletin. And we're calling this sermon series, I Pray. And we're taking eight Sundays to explore how we can strengthen our prayer life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've discovered the largest room in my life is the room for improvement. And I want my prayer life to grow. I want my prayer life to get stronger. And we've been exploring Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and the verses to follow, that model patternized prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that's filled with eight phrases. And in week number one, we focused on the prayer of connection, our Father in heaven. And we explored what it meant to be in that prayer of connection. And then in week number two, we zeroed in on that phrase where it says, hallowed be your name. And we explored the prayer of recognition, understanding who our God is. And last Sunday, we took some time to talk about the prayer of surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think last Sunday will be a service we will never forget. And I was so moved to watch probably 99% of you walk to the front with that little Kleenex, that white flag, and lay it at the cross, and just as a symbol of your surrender. Well, next Sunday, we're going to zero in on, on the prayer. Give us today our daily bread, and we're going to talk about the prayer of dependence. And next Sunday is Thanksgiving Sunday. How many people love Thanksgiving? My hands are first to go up. I mean, we're already talking about getting the turkey, and I've already said to Evelyn, lots of stuffing. Do not, you know, don't hold back on the stuffing. Lots of stuffing. And we're just looking forward to celebrating Thanksgiving as a family. And next Sunday, we are getting ready for that special Thanksgiving offering where we just made a philosophical shift last year that the offering is not for our debt reduction, but it's for our community. And we've set a goal of $70,000 next week above our regular tithes. And last Sunday, I left the first service by faith. I took 10000 of an offering we haven't received yet, and I went to Arlington Woods Free Methodist Church and was able to bless them with $10,000 for their building program. It was so exciting. Next Sunday, I'm going to show you a little clip of that happening and some pictures. You'll see it, and we're glad that we can be a blessing. And we also want to raise $28,000 to help a church that is starting in the Ottawa University in January to reach those 40,000 students there with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't have a sound system. They don't have an audiovisual system. It's $28,000. And Pastor Travis Blackmore will be with us next Sunday. And he, he, I haven't told him we're trying to raise it all. I said, we'll do our best. We'll see what we can do. And, but I'm believing God for $28,000 to take care of that. And then we're believing for $32,000 to help a church that we have partnered with in Vanier, Vanier Community Church. We, we got them new doors last year. It's an old building. 
But there's stairs going up that are all chipped and broken, and you can fall going up those stairs. We want to we wanna rebuild those stairs. We, they need a lot of money to make that happen. And we're sending teams down there to help them reach Vanier. You've sent clothes. How many people know it's, it's great to be a blessing in our city? Come on, isn't it great to be a blessing in our city? And I want you to be in prayer. What would God want you as a household to do towards this? Evelyn and I want to be a part of this. And we're going to mark on our envelope Thanksgiving offering. And we want to be a part of seeing that $70,000 come in. And we just want to thank you for your generosity. Well, today is Communion Sunday. And I know we've been in the habit of having communion earlier in the service. Don't worry, we have not forgot about communion. And we're going to have communion at the end of the service this morning. But we want to zero in, in verse number 12, that phrase, and forgive us our debts. And debts is one translation. Some translations say, and forgive us our sins. And for just a couple of moments today, I want to explore what we're going to call the prayer, the prayer of cleansing. And I want you to write this in your notes because, because I, I got a feeling it's going to resonate. One of the greatest barriers that I've discovered to inner peace and inner calmness in people's lives is guilt and shame. Guilt and shame that comes, I believe, from not fully understanding the power of repentance, the power of confession, the power of conviction, and the power of God's forgiveness. So keep that phrase on the screen so people can mark that in their notes. But I'm convinced that there's many of you today that there's a a residue of guilt. I feel so guilty. I feel so shameful. I'm I'm, I'm stuck and I can't move on. I'm feeling shame and and guilt of something I've done or something I didn't do. And it's, it's resting over my life. And I don't know how to handle the guilt And I don't know how to move forward because of the shame. And let me just be honest today. When when we haven't managed the guilt biblically and dealt with the shame, it can lead to anxiety. It can lead to depression. It can lead to like a cloud resting over your life. How many people believe that God doesn't want us to walk under a cloud of heaviness? Do you believe that today? Come on, how many people believe God doesn't want us to walk under this cloud of heaviness? He wants us to not carry the weight and the yoke of guilt and shame. And so, so I, I want to declare today that one of the greatest barriers to inner peace is guilt and shame. It's because we don't fully, truly, biblically understand confession and, and repentance and, and conviction and God's forgiveness. So I want to take you for a couple of moments to Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 was written by a guy named David. Everybody say David. One, two, three, David. David's the guy that took down Goliath. But David was a king, and when everyone was supposed to be off at war, he was sitting on the rooftop. Everyone's out fighting battle. And and, and he he saw this beautiful lady named Bathsheba. You probably know the story. Before long, he's having an affair with Bathsheba, someone else's wife. And then he tries to cover it up, and he arranges for Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to be on the front lines of the battlefield so that he would die. And he's like, I'm a mess. I've messed up my life. I'm supposed to be king, and I've done these horrific, horrible things, and guilt and shame was all over his life. And here's what I love about the book of Psalms. Psalms is a revelation of the heart of David. I want to read to you some verses in Psalm 51, 
And you're going to see the journey of David trying to figure out confession and, and repentance and conviction and, and, and all these things that we're going to look at today. So let's, let's get right to it. Verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. God, please have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. God, just have mercy on me. Take away my sin. Now look at verse 2. He's, he's beginning to talk about this prayer of cleansing. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You're hearing it? David's praying the prayer of cleansing. Look at verse 3. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Let's push pause because there's many of you today, the shame and guilt is that sin that you did, that you've confessed to God, is still hanging over your head. It's always before you and you're stuck and you can't move on and and, and you're, you're like your own worst enemy, and guilt and shame is all over you. I don't know how to deal with it. David said, I know my transgression. My sin's always before me. Look at verse 4. Now, in verse 4, he takes responsibility for his sin, and he owns it. I messed up. I'm not going to blame anyone else. He said, against you and you only, against you, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge me. Look at verse 7. Cleanse me with the hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'm going to be whiter than snow. He's praying a prayer of cleansing. Look, I love verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Let me push pause. When you are walking feeling shame and guilt, you can't have joy. How many people want to have the joy of the Lord in your life? My hand's the first to go up. I said, how many people want to have the joy of the Lord in your life? When you're walking under the cloud of shame and guilt, your joy gets robbed. And David said, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Look at verse 9. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. He keeps on calling out to God, praying the same thing. Take away my sin. I love verse 10. And verse 10, if, if you're of my generation, you might remember someone penned a song. I mean, there's a day when a lot of worship songs came right from the Scripture. And I'll tell you why I like that. You can't say, I don't like that song. I don't, I don't like the lyrics of that song. If it comes from the word of God, you've got to like the lyrics, right? And uh, so here it is. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Some of you are like, I know the tune to that one. I remember it. Look at verse 11. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Like David was wrestling with guilt and shame. And he's like, I, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Create a clean heart in me. Look at verse 12. Restore to me. Bring back the joy of the salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then verse 13. He says, once that happens, God, then I'm going to go out and teach transgressors your way so that the sinners will turn back to you. God, I'm going to get this right and I'm going to go out and help people. And then in verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt. There it is. Take away the guilt. Take away the shame of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. And then verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Look this way, please. I want you this week to really delve into Psalm 51 because I think it's so pertinent and it's so real. I'm just going to be honest. I got a feeling that there's a lot of you sitting here today, you're stuck in your Christian journey because guilt and shame is taking over and the joy is gone. And I've been praying all week that God would flood us with the joy of the Lord in this house today and that we would grow and learn 
in this prayer of cleansing. So I want to walk you through some things very quickly. I want to talk to you, number one, we're just going to look at two things today. Number one, I want to talk to you about ways that some people, ways that we handle guilt. Some of the ways that we handle guilt. Now, the first six ways aren't good ways, but the seventh way is the biblical way. So let's walk through the ways that aren't healthy. Number one, projection. You ever met people that they project their guilt, their shame, they blame people? Well, it wasn't my fault that I did that. And they blame their husband, they blame their wife, they blame their church, they blame their pastor, they blame their school, they blame their neighbor, they blame society, and they don't own it. They, they're in the blame game. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. They blame everybody else, and they try to project the guilt onto someone else. Number one, projection. And then there's number two, rationalization. You rationalize it. Well, you know, no one knows, so it can't be that bad. Well, nobody got hurt, so it wasn't that horrible. And you minimize it. You rationalize it. You, you bring it down to the place where you feel it's no big deal. You rationalize it. And then there's number three. This is the classic one, comparison. Well, I'm not as bad as that person. I mean, I know what they've done. I mean, compared to that person, I'm a saint. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more holy. I'm more righteous. And you compare yourself to someone else, and you try to make yourself look better. Then there's number four, repression. And you stuff it in, and you, you just put it so deep on the inside of you that you, you don't even realize you stuff it so far down in your life that you don't even identify that it's there. It's so deep down and repressed that you aren't dealing with it. And when you do that, you're going to walk in guilt. You're going to walk in shame. Then there's number five, distractions. One of the classic signs of a workaholic is they're not dealing with stuff in their life. And they're distracting themselves. They're doing something they're, they're, they're covering up. They're spending all their energies so they don't have to deal with the real issues. They're not slowing down enough. So number one, projection. Two, rationalization. Three, comparison. Four, repression. Five, distraction. Then six, escapism. And I meet people all the time. They escape from it. They just take another pill. They have another drink. They go on another holiday. They buy something else. They are escaping from facing what they're going through. I want to say to you that all six of those, and there's a lot more you can think of, they're not good. And many Christians fall trapped in them. But number seven is what we're going to zero in on for a few moments, experiencing God's forgiveness. And in just a couple of moments, I'm going to walk you through very quickly and very briefly some teaching on conviction, repentance, confession, and forgiveness. And I'm convinced that the reason why many people don't fully understand God's forgiveness is they haven't fully understand the power of Holy Spirit conviction, and they haven't fully understood what repentance means and what confession means, and because they haven't figured out those three things, they haven't fully experienced God's forgiveness. So before I get into this today, I want to say this to you today. God wants to lift the shame and the guilt from the house today in Jesus' name. 
I said, God wants to lift the shame and the guilt from the house in Jesus' name. And he wants to restore in this place today the joy of Almighty God. And that's what David, in Psalm 51, was in the journey. So let's walk through these six steps today. The six steps in the prayer of cleansing. Forgive us our debts. How can we, how can we move closer to understanding and experiencing God's forgiveness. Step number one. Number one, write this in your notes. We got to start by reviewing. You got to review every single area of your life. You got to not rationalize it, not compartmentalize it, not escape it, but you got to say, Holy Spirit, come upon me and search my heart. I want to read to you John 16, verse 8. And this is one of the most powerful verses in the New Testament. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. I want to be blunt, and I want to be honest, and I want to be clear today. I want to say to the house today that somewhere in our journey, culture has collapsed with Christianity. And somewhere in our journey, we've allowed culture to take us away from what God's word says is sin. And somewhere in our journey, somewhere in our journey, somewhere in our journey, we have caused ourselves to close our hearts to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And I've been praying all week That Holy Spirit would convict me in my life of anything and everything that is holding me back in my journey. And anything and everything that separates me in any way from God is sin. And I've been praying that Holy Spirit would release his convicting power in the house today. That we would not let the clash of culture to Christianity hold us back any longer. There's a big difference between a struggling saint and a settled sinner. And there's people here today, you're struggling, but there's some of you today, if we're honest, you, you've created your own theology and interpretation of God's word and you've concluded we got to get with the times and the Bible's not as relevant and it's not so bad and we need to move on and, and not view something as being wrong. But church, if the Bible says it's sin, it's sin in Jesus' name. I, I hope there's a little amen in the house today. If the Bible says it's sin, it's sin in Jesus' name. And I'll tell you what we need, I need, maybe you don't, but I need, I need Holy Spirit to be my convictor. I need Holy Spirit to convict me of anything, anything, of any attitude. Is there anger in my life? Is there worry in my life? Am I holding something against someone? Is, is my, have, have I stopped praying? What, what area in my life, what area in my, Spirit of the living God, put your finger on something in my life that is holding me back. So let me read the word of the Lord. Let me read Lamentations 3.40. Let's examine our ways and test them. Let us examine our ways. We're going to search every area of our life. Now, here's a scripture that I love. It's Psalm 139, 23, 24. I mean, the same guy who prayed Psalm 51, the prayer of cleansing, said in Psalm 139, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive ways in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And here's a verse in the New Testament, 1 John 1.8. If we claim 
to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I mean, I mean, John is writing to Christians. If we, if we claim there's no sin in ourselves, we're deceiving ourselves. So if we're sitting here today going, Mark, this message is not for me because there's no sin in my life today. You know what, church? If that's the thought that you have, maybe the sin is pride in your life today. Now, if your house is like my house, we got a bunch of garbage pails. And I was thinking about this. I mean, just the other day, I'm... I'm in our little ensuite bathroom, and Evelyn's got this dainty little sweet garbage pail. You, you've got one, don't you? And you chuck your, your toothpaste thing in there when you're done with it, and, 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 you know, it's just a small little garbage pail. Now, we've got another garbage pail in our house. It's in the kitchen, and ours is underneath the sink, and it's a little bigger than the garbage pail that's in the bathroom. Now, some of you, you've got that great big cool garbage pail in your kitchen with the foot pedal on it. Who's got the foot pedal garbage pail in the kitchen? Aren't they cool? Put your foot on, the lid goes up. But you all got a real large garbage pail, either outside or in the garage. Ours is black. It's huge. It's mammoth. Now, I'm going to tell you this because you know I'm right. You know I'm right. If you don't take the garbage out of the kitchen, especially over time, your kitchen is going to begin to stink. Am I right? I mean, when Evelyn's away, and I'm not on top of the house duties, I mean, I'm putting all the leftover food in that garbage pail in the kitchen, and it starts to smell. Now, you know I'm right when I say this. When that little garbage pail in the bathroom is full, I don't go to the garage and bring in a big garbage pail because it's full. You know what? The little dainty garbage pail in the washroom is too small. I'm just going to get that out of the bathroom, and I'm going to go get the big garbage pail from the garage and put it into the bathroom. I want people to know I'd be in trouble when Evelyn gets home if I did that. And you don't do that in your kitchen. I mean, that little foot pedal garbage pail gets full. You don't, you don't take that one out and bring the big black garbage pail. No, you take out the garbage. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, in the same way that you might empty your garbage pails daily in your house, we got to daily cleanse ourselves and confess our sin and say, Lord, I don't want anything to stand between me and you in Jesus' name. And it's got to start by letting Holy Spirit search your life. I mean, there's been a lot of preaching on the love of God, and I love the love of God. But if you're going to preach the love of God, you better also preach the holiness of God. If you're going to preach the mercy and the grace of God, you better preach the righteousness of God. And so I'm praying that Holy Spirit would just sweep my life and your life and we would search and we'd review every area. Let me take you to number two. Number two, you got to repent of every sin. Now here's the problem. Before you repent, you need conviction to know that you need to repent. Am I right? Have you ever talked to someone and you pointed something out and they go, what's cool, man? It's not bad. What's the big deal? You can't repent of something until you know it's wrong. And so you got to start praying for Holy Spirit conviction to come upon you. Somebody, somebody give a little amen this morning. Then you got to understand what repentance is. Now, repentance is, is three things, three things. This is not in your notes. This is for free. First of all, you take responsibility for what you've done. 
You take responsibility and ownership and you realize that it's sin. You don't do the blame game. You don't escape. You don't compartmentalize. You don't, you don't rationalize. You go, I take responsibility. This is wrong. I'm a sinner in this moment. And I need God's forgiveness. That's what David did. That's what David did. And so it starts by taking responsibility. And then the second thing, it's turning away from that sin. And then the third thing is it's moving towards God. Three things. Number one, take responsibility. This is wrong. This is sin. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, number two, I'm going to move away from that sin. I'm not going to keep on doing this. I'm going to move away. And I'm going to move towards you, God. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is not, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, and keep on, keep on going back, and keep on doing it, and not even caring. Repentance is, I know this is wrong. Your spirit has convicted me. I'm putting my back towards it. I'm owning it, and I'm going to move towards God. That's, that's what repentance is. So look at Psalm 51, verse 4, a couple of verses. Against you, we've already read this one, but let me read it again. Against you. Have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? I've sinned against you. Let me read 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. I love this verse. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. You know the old analogy? Someone is sorry that they got caught, but not sorry that they did it. Isn't there a big difference? And godly sorrow brings repentance. Look at Lamentations 3.40. Let us examine our ways and test them, and then let us return to the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. If, we've, if we truly repentant, if we truly realize that it's wrong and we turn our back to it, we will pursue doing all we can to be free from that sin. Now, let me say it again. There's a big difference between a struggling saint and a settled sinner. A settled sinner says, I don't care what the Bible says or what you say. I'm going to keep doing this. I I don't care. But a struggling saint says, this is sin, and I want to be free, and I don't want to be trapped in this. I'm going to turn my back to this, and I allow the Holy Spirit. And here's, here's, here's the word this morning. The Holy Spirit who convicts you of the sin is the same Holy Spirit that helps you to walk in freedom from the sin. You can give a little amen right there. Come on, isn't that great? The Holy Spirit that convicts you. Come on, Woodville. The Holy Spirit that convicts you of that sin is the same Holy Spirit that helps you to be free from that sin. How many people know that the Spirit of God can work on our lives to set us free in Jesus' name? Come on, if you believe that, give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. That's, that's what the Spirit of God does. So you got to go from conviction to repentance. Now let, let's move on. Number three, number three. Resolve to make restitution. Now I'm going to give you a crazy illustration, but I think it, it drives it home. I'm, I'm, let's say... I'm leaving church, and Pastor Brad, you always park your car beside me, and it looks good, and, you know, we get the door thing figured out because we don't want to bang doors. I know what it's like, but can you imagine this morning if I, I oopsied, and I backed into Brad's car on my way out, and I just said, Father, forgive me for what I have done in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I feel so clean. I feel good. It's all good. 
And the poor guy goes out, and there's black paint from my black car that was beside his car on the side of his door. And he comes to me and said, Mark, did you, did you back in my car? doesn't matter. I'm cool with Jesus. I've asked for you. you it's a crazy illustration, but you get it. Sometimes you've got to say, Lord, I want to resolve to make rest. I'll do whatever it takes. Because when I'm right with you, I'll be right with others. And I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do my best. Now, let me just show you one scripture. We're going to move on. A guy named Zacchaeus. This is Luke 19, 8. Zacchaeus stood up, said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. I mean, Zacchaeus had conviction and he had repentance. And then he wanted restitution, Right? And verse 9, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. All right, there's another whole sermon there. We'll pick that up another time. Let's come to number four. Once you have experienced the conviction and you move to repentance, you're ready for confession and you're ready for forgiveness. So let's talk about it briefly. Look at number four. You got to receive God's forgiveness. How many people are glad that, that when God forgives you, he takes your sin and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, and he holds it against you no more in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but that should get you a little excited this morning. When he forgives you, he forgives you. Come on, isn't that a good word today? When he forgives you. But the devil wants you to have that guilt and shame. So let's go to the word, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Mercy helps us to be forgiven for what we've done in the past. And grace helps us to be free to move forward in the future. Now, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, the Greek word for confess is homologio, homo. Logio. Homo means the same. Logio means the word. And when you confess your sin, you are, I don't even know if it's a word, so work with me. You're homologoing. I said it. You can write that down and tweet it. And when you homologioing, you are saying the same word as God. You're saying, God, I was wrong. You're right. And I'm confessing that I'm wrong. And I'm confessing that you're right. I'm confessing that what I've done goes against your word. And I'm confessing that, I, that, that, that I'm confessing the same word. I'm wrong and you're right. So if we confess our sins, here's what confession is. Homologio, you are saying the same word as God. If we confess our sins and we call it for what it is, he's faithful and he's just and he will not he may, he will forgive us our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Let's move on quickly. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How about Isaiah 1, verse 8? I love this. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they're going to be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like woe. We need a little homologio in the house today that we are confessing God's word. We're lining up with God's word. Now, I'm going to give you four quick things before we wrap this up 
about receiving God's forgiveness. And I, I think there's people that need to hear this. Number one, God's forgiveness, number one, it's instantly. It's, it's you know, when someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you may not say this, but you think it. Well, I'll think about it. Give me time. Can you imagine when you ask God to forgive you, you've, you've been convicted, you've repented, and you confessed, and God says, give me a few days, and I'll think about forgiving you. Anybody glad that God instantly forgives you? Come on, anybody glad that God instantly forgives you? There's no time delay. That's a human quality. Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked leave the way of life and change the way of their thinking. Let them turn to the Lord our God. He's merciful and quick to, he's quick to forgive. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate. He's quick to forgive. Yeah. And then there's number two. It's, it's, it's repeatedly. God's forgiveness is repeatedly. Like some people like, Mark, I sin and I ask for forgiveness. And then you're telling me I got to keep taking out the garbage and the trash and I go back to him. You, you're telling me he'll keep on forgiving. He will keep on forgiving you if you keep on letting Holy Spirit convict you and you keep on repenting and you keep on confessing. I'm glad, I'm glad that he keeps on, he keeps on forgiving. I'm glad that he does that because that's the God that I serve. And then there's number three. He freely forgives. Now it's free to you, but it wasn't free to Jesus. In a couple of moments, we're going to have communion. And I don't, I, I'm overwhelmed with the thought that Jesus paid the price of my sins. He paid the tab in full. He paid for my sins when he was nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. Romans 3, 23, 24. All have sinned, fall short of glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You know this one. It's grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works that no one may boast. And then there's number four. His forgiveness is complete. He completely forgives you. You know, I'll just forgive you a part of that. No, he completely, fully forgives you of your sins. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Colossians 2.14 canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away. He nailed it to the cross. I'm glad that forgiveness is instant. Come on, someone say amen. I'm glad, I'm glad that he keeps on forgiving me, amen. And I'm glad that it's free and I'm glad that it's complete. I'm going to take you to number five and then number six. But number five, I believe if you get number five in your heart, and you live this out, it will revolutionize your journey with God. I'll tell you right now, one of the reasons why some of you are still walking in guilt and shame is because you got the conviction thing figured out, you you got the repentance thing figured out, you got the confession thing figured out, but you haven't moved to number five, revealing your faults to a friend. Oh, great, Mark. You want to put it in the bulletin next week and have my name there? No! I got to stay, no, you don't have to, sh- you, can, you need to find one person in your connect group or a brother in Christ, brother to brother, or a sister in the Lord to a sister, someone that you trust. Now, I'll tell you what distinguishes us from the animal life. There's many things, but we've, we've got the spirit part of us. But, but see, animals, I've seen a dog sad. I've seen a dog angry, and I don't know about you, I don't like an angry dog. I've seen a dog fearful occasionally, 
but I've never seen a, an animal marked with guilt and shame. You and I walk through guilt and shame because God's given us a soul. And you need to hear me today, church, that when you repent of your sin and you confess it and you bring it to God, you get back in right relationship with God, but you've got this emotional component that you don't know how to walk in freedom. And sometimes the revealing of your feelings is the beginning of your healing. And sometimes you're only as sick as your secrets. And sometimes you've got to find someone to unload your feelings on. To let them come alongside you and hold you accountable. Because that, let me give you the word. Okay, Mark, can you prove this? I can. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I'll tell you right now. When you ask Jesus to forgive you, he does. But when you share your struggle with a concerned brother in Christ, sir, or sister in the Lord, you share your burden, your challenge, your your Achilles heel of what's holding you back with a sister in the Lord. I tell you, man, it just becomes a release. It becomes a release in the emotion. God knows what he's talking about when he says you've got to share with a brother in the Lord. I've got a few people in my life that I'm like an open book to them because I know they won't judge me. I mean, a friend is who walks in your life when everyone else walks out. I don't know about you, but we need to be a brother to a brother and a sister to a sister. We need to say, I'm with you no matter what, and I'm going to stand with you in your journey as you're going through the journey to find freedom. I don't want to be a church that shoots our wounded. I want to be a church that comes alongside the struggling and say, I'm going to pick you up and help you so you can walk in freedom. Someone give a little amen in this first morning service. So you got to reveal... And then there's number six, and I do this every day. Repeat these steps regularly. I mean, if I go back to the kitchen analogy and the garbage can in the kitchen is full with stuff. I mean, rotten potatoes and and, and vegetables that we didn't eat and guck. And and then I get, and it's, it's so big that I, I go get the big garbage pail. No, no, you gotta, you gotta keep on cleaning it out. So let me, let me wrap up this, this message today and let me, let me show you a few scriptures and we're gonna come to communion and I, I hope this teaching's been helpful this morning. Hebrews 7, 27. Unlike other high priests, it's about Jesus. He doesn't need to offer sacrifice day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. I I wish I had time to explore it, but there's people who've read that verse that they've concluded that when they've asked Christ in their life, he's forgiven them of their past sins, yeah, their present sins, but they got this thinking that all their sins in the future are under the blood of Jesus, and they can now live their life any way they want and the blood of Jesus covers the sins that they've not yet committed. And so they've got this license for immorality. They've got this license to keep on sinning. I need to say to you today, that's not what the word of the Lord says. The word of the Lord teaches us that we've got to confess our sins. We've got to make sure that we're living right with God. 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10 says it. And I'm going to close with this. 
I mean, he's writing to believers. If we claim to be without sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth's not in us. And I'm standing before you as your pastor. I mean, positionally, I'm right with God. Positionally, I'm going to heaven. And I don't need to, I don't need, I don't need, I don't get saved one day and backslide saved the next. I, you know, you can walk out of your walk with God, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm here to say, positionally, I'm right with God. But relationally, I've got to take out the trash in my life. And I'm going through a journey now as your pastor saying, Holy Spirit, search my life. And I'll tell you what's going on in your pastor's life. Holy Spirit's putting his finger on areas of my life. And I've been doing a lot of ouch lately. I've been doing a lot of, I didn't realize that's in my life. And I'm, I'm praying the prayer of cleansing. I've I got to tell you something right now. It feels so good to get the trash out of my life and get closer with God. And some of you are looking at me like, what deep, dark, hidden sin is in your life? If I told you what the Spirit put his finger on, some of you would laugh at me and say, Mark, that's nothing. That's not even a sin. And I've been wrecked in my prayer life as Holy Spirit said, Mark, you better deal with this because it's holding you back in your Christian journey. And I don't want anybody in the house to be held back in your Christian journey. I, I want I want the shame and the guilt to be gone in Jesus' name. And I want the Lord to restore unto you the joy. Come on, Woodville, the joy of salvation. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. So in just a moment, when we celebrate communion, I'm going to ask you to let Holy Spirit convicts you. I'm going to pray that Holy Spirit would help us to move from conviction to repentance. And then the Spirit of God would help us to move from conviction to repentance to confession, homologio. And then I'm asking that God would help us to truly experience His forgiveness that is instantaneous and free. And I'm going to pray that all shame and all guilt will be gone in Jesus' name. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. (laughs) Father, I thank you for these few moments in your word. I'm asking, oh God, that you would now be with us as we come to a very key moment in our service to a very key time as we partake of the emblems, as we this morning, oh God, just are reminded of what you've done for us on a cross. I pray from youngest to eldest that this would be so symbolic, that this would be so meaningful, and this would be so moving to everyone in the house today. I thank you, Jesus, for going to a cross. And I thank you for dying for our sins. And I'm asking God that we would never forget the price you paid so that we can be forgiven. I give you glory in Jesus' name. Together we said, amen. We've got some friends at the back that are holding on to two trays each. They've got, they've got a, a wafer and they've got some juice. In just a couple of moments, we're going to distribute this. And I want you to 
hold on to the wafer when you get it and hold on to the cup of juice when you get it. And we're going to partake together in a couple of moments. And I, I don't know about you, but I love celebrating communion. I just do. It's such a reminder to me. And I'm just going to ask that moms and dads, that you would take responsibility for your children in communion. And as your pastor, I would encourage you to let them participate. I think it's a, a great teaching moment. And I'm also going to ask that if you choose to stand and worship, wait till the tray's gone right by you. Can we do that? Just a little easier. So friends, come on forward. And Pastor Brad, lead us in some worship. Let's just focus on Jesus and let's celebrate communion together. And I take the bread of life Broken for all my sin Your body crucified To make me whole again And I will recall the cup Poured out in sacrifice you to bow your heads and to close your eyes in just a couple of moments we're going to partake of these emblems together but as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed two things number one perhaps you're standing here today or you're watching on live streaming and the question I ask you that you can't ask answer with a definite yes here's the question if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're ready for heaven? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Jesus to come into your life? You asked him to be your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And I want to lead us in a prayer today because I believe there's people standing here and people watching on live streaming that you've never asked Christ to be the center of your life. And we're going to join you as you pray because we want you 
to enter into this personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life, please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I repent of my sin. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I make my peace with you. I receive you in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes and look this way. I really believe there's a number of you that you prayed that prayer. You accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You made the best decision of your life. And if you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, we'd honestly be honored if you joined us in the journey. In just a a few moments, on your way out, drop by the wall that says, Follow. we got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet for you. It's free. And we have a follow class they can tell you about that can help you in your new faith journey. But just bow your heads one more time. And I ask you to do this for a reason. Because even before we partake of these emblems, I want you, as you're standing there, say, God, search my heart and show me any area in my life that is not right with you. I want to confess it. I want to repent of it. I want to turn towards you. I want to be cleansed of it. Could you take a moment and do that? I believe Holy Spirit is going to speak to each one of us as we do this. Father God, I thank you for this amazing church family. And I'm asking God that your spirit of conviction would show us any area in our lives that is not right with you. And God, that you would then help us to repent of it and confess of it. And then help us, God, to receive that complete, full forgiveness from heaven. I pray that guilt and shame would be gone in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would restore joy to our salvation. I thank you, God, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And I pray in the name of the Lord that we would bring it to the cross and experience that full forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your eyes. Would you lift up the wafer? It represents the body of Jesus. How many people are glad that Jesus took your place on a cross? Amen. Let's partake together of the wafer that represents the body of Jesus. Just lift up the cup. It contains the fruit from the vine. It represents his blood. How many people are glad that Jesus shed his blood? Hallelujah. Let's partake together of the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus. You can put that cup down. There's a pew rack in front of you. I want you to put your hands together and celebrate our living Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, Pastor. Let's let's just sing to the Lord for a moment before we open this altar.
And the, and, and the board members and the, and the ministry team workers to come and stand at the front. And I, I want, if you're standing here today, you need God to do a miracle in your life. How many people believe Jesus can do the impossible? Amen. And I don't know what you're walking through, but I, I know some of what some of you are facing. And we want to anoint you with oil. And we want to pray for you. If you'd like prayer, as Pastor Brad leads us in this song one more time, I want you to come forward. And we want to anoint you with oil. And we want to pray that Jesus would, would give you your miracle today. So if you need prayer, come on forward as we sing. Yes, you've been so, so good to me. God, you've been so, so good to me. And don't you think where I would be if not for you, if not for you. God, you've been so, so Good to me. 
God, thank you for everyone that has walked in these doors this morning, from youngest to eldest. Thank you, God, for those that are standing at the front. Let them receive miracle in the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for those that accepted you in their life. Thank you, Lord, for the many Christmas child shoeboxes that that are leaving this building. Thank you, Lord, for our guests. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for those that were baptized in water. Thank you for our time in the scripture. Thank you for our time in communion. Now, God, go with each one and give us a great day. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Together we said, amen, amen, amen.